the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, at least it's better than Browns. Yeah, the Cleveland Indians are no more, or at least they won't be after uh, this season. They've changed their name officially, and it's a really dumb one. Uh, When this season ends, they're going to become the Cleveland Guardians. And the owner of the team, Paul Dolan, who signed off on the name, will be happy to hear that already the name is an award winner. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. That's right, Indians was always a dumb name, but there were so many other possibilities out there. And Mr. Dolan wins the award for naming the team after statues on a bridge. Yeah, they're on either end. There's uh, two on each end of the Hope Memorial Bridge in Cleveland. Something to do with uh, traffic. And they're known as the Guardians of Traffic. It's hard to believe that anybody in Cleveland even knows what they are. But that's what they came up with. And they got Tom Hanks to narrate a video explaining the new name. Here's some of it. We remember those moments as we move forward with change. You see, it has always been Cleveland that's the best part of our name. And now it's time to unite as one family, one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, yeah. And according to Mr. Dolan, the owner, they did 140 hours of interviews with fans, community leaders, and front office personnel before settling on Guardians. It's an unbelievably bad choice. And they must not have noticed, by the way, (laughs) that there's a roller hockey team in Cleveland And they're known as, are you ready? The Cleveland Guardians. I don't know if they're named after traffic, but they're out there. They're the Cleveland Guardians. Mr. Dolan's going to have to live with that choice of the name, but it should be easier for him to live with now that he's forever known as a winner of the Windows R Us Jerk of the Week Award. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us. Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com. And when we come back, speaking of jerks, uh, wait until you hear the long list of them who will be taking part in a conference at Pitt next week. And there's a chance that you might be helping to pay for it. Stick around. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 831-21. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. 
learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Whoa! Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Critical race theory is everywhere now, and uh, a lot of people are being paid lots of money to go around the country lecturing us about how, uh, lecturing other people, I guess not just all of us, but, you know, lecturing people about how oppressed or oppressive they are. Um, There's a conference at Pitt next week. It's called the Diversity Forum. Gabe Kaminsky is a student at Pitt. He's also an intern at The Federalist and a really good columnist. Still a student at Pitt. And he was wondering who's paying for all this, seeing as how Pitt gets money from the state of Pennsylvania. Gabe joins us now. Gabe, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So why is Pitt hiding the money being spent on uh, critical race theory? Why, why do they need to hide it? Or think they do, anyway. So, yeah, the University of Pittsburgh, they're able to hide how much they are spending uh, on this training that's occurring next week. Uh, because they're hiding behind a law, the right to know laws in Pennsylvania that went through in 2008 that permit state related institutions such as Pitt, Penn State, Temple, and Lincoln University to essentially not comply with public records requests. And the reason for this is because these universities are not fully taxpayer funded. But, that, but, but regardless of this, these schools are heavily taxpayer funded and they're able to not provide the, the money. Um, because of this law that, that you know, I spoke to legal scholars who think that it's, it's pretty ridiculous and it, it honestly might violate the Constitution. And so um, who is funding this? I mean, or what? I mean, where's the money coming from? Yeah, it's a great question. We are not 100% sure because they're able to not provide that information. The conference is being hosted by the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, unsurprisingly. Um, like but we fun. are not aware of exactly who is funding this, and one can only imagine uh, some, you know, a university such as big as Pitt with an endowment 
about four point one billion. There's got to be some government money in there. Yeah. Um, so, but but it's is it interesting or should it be disturbing to people that uh, you had trouble getting them to tell you exactly where the money is coming from? You did have trouble, right? I did. Look, I I think that um, I mean I don't really understand the law. I mean I I reach out to universities all the time, public schools. Uh, Indiana University is a good example. The last school I reached out to that is currently getting back to me in regard to a public records request I filed. I think it should disturb people in Pennsylvania. It should disturb people everywhere because Pitt is not a fully taxpayer-funded university, but it is heavily subsidized by taxpayer funding. I mean, this is a university that received uh, about a little more than a million dollars from the National Institutes of Health um, very recently for abortion experimental research. This is a government agency. So it's really kind of not, it's unsettling. Um, so there's a chance I'm paying for some of this. Maybe, maybe us both, you know. <laughs> uh, so so uh, what are some of the fun things they'll be doing at this conference in July? What is it, the end of this month, which is next week? Yeah, the conference is hosting so several speakers, some of whom are directly affiliated with Pitt, uh, such as uh, some of the people in the diversity office, some of the professors in the Women's Studies Department, uh, the ACLU board president will be there. And there are just several different trainings that are sort of predictable, um, sort of happening across the country, but dismantling oppressive psyches and symptoms, the hidden messages of microaggressions. Um, there's an exercise with a pre-forum on racial equity consciousness, so sort of building on this Marxist idea of um, false consciousness, that those who are oppressed need to be taught that they're oppressed, that they sort of are not individuals as much as they're just products of their identity and they're not real people. Um, another, another thing that stuck out to me was an exercise on anti-racism in the daily usage. So it's saying that you need to practice anti-racism every day, meaning practice these ideas of diversity, equity, and inclusion, critical systemic racism every day and to normalize it within people. Yeah, I I have a list here that you were, were uh, kind enough to uh, put in your piece. Uh, some of these titles are exciting. Uh, you mentioned a couple there without the actual official title, but uh, Combating Oppression and Transracial Adoption, that sounds like a good one. Uh, making Anti-Racism a Daily Practice. It's, um, disabled Girls Summer, Dismantling Oppressive Psyches and Related Symptoms. The Butterfly yeah. Effect and Reflecting on White Supremacy uh, and the Hidden Messages of Microaggression. That's my favorite, by the way. They hidden, not only are microaggressions micro, they're hidden. I mean, who knew that? Yeah, well, John, you know, that's exactly what, what I was talking about. So it's like hidden messages and microaggressions. So the idea of this entire critical race theory, the whole movement, is that everything's subverted. So hidden messages. So it's saying there are all these things in society. There's systemic racism, oppression, there's microaggressions, which is saying little things that would offend people that um, no one really knows exactly what they are. And the idea is they're all hidden. There are all these ideas that um, you need people, like these elites, the Tulane diversity officer, uh, all these random sort of people who make a lot of money preaching about oppression and stuff, to just Mm -hmm. sort of tell people that they're oppressed because apparently no one knows. Yeah, they don't need, then they need to be told by these people at a conference to make sure just in case you didn't know you were just in case you didn't know you were miserable, we're here to tell you that you are. Um I uh I, I mean I, that that is my favorite hidden messages of microaggressions. Um but uh the butterfly effect and reflecting on white supremacy. Just the titles of these Gabe uh, like I don't know anything about what they're going to be teaching in that. I don't want to be anywhere near it. I, I hope that I'm just, uh, I would I would be really uh, it would ruin my life if somebody dragged me to it and made me sit through it. But um, what <laughs> that this the title the butterfly effect and reflecting on white supremacy. Just the title of that sounds like they're trying too hard. You know, I mean, it's just it, it's gotten to the point where they're they're. They're really diving into this and just maybe trying a little too hard on all of it? Yeah, I mean, I don't exactly know what that means, the butterfly effect. I don't either. I can maybe say that it means saying that white supremacy, you know, the idea of the butterfly effect is 
things have a ripple effect throughout time. So, uh-huh. you know, you can look at that white supremacy. It's trying to say that there is systemic racism and that white people are just oppressed throughout time, you know? Yeah. They're not white well, people, sorry, uh, minorities by whites. And who signs up for these things? Teachers, students, or, or is it open to everybody? This is an event that is open to the general public, actually. Uh, really, oh, anyone from everywhere. Um, so, you know, I absolutely encourage people on the right, people who are not uh, in line with this sort of thing, to attend these events over Zoom and to take videos and to be an attendant, be it be a uh, you know, be a citizen and uh, see what you know, a, a in part taxpayer funded university is teaching people. I I plan on being an attendant at the event, and I'll certainly see. Uh, what sort of craziness I can find. It's over Zoom. Oh, you, you are going to go? I think I'll go, yeah. I think it's. I think I'm hoping to see uh, what, what some of these speakers have to say. Will the Federalist uh, reimburse your $149, or do you get in free because you're a student? No, I. so I, it is actually a free event for everyone oh. over Zoom to attend this event. There's the $149 oh. I mentioned, I think, in the article, that's for like a pre-forum institute. Uh, but oh, actually, okay. if I did attend that as a student, I would get in for free. So uh, if I wanted to, I could attend this on Zoom? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, How would I do that? Um, well, if you go on their website, you can just directly on their uh, diversity forum website, which I believe we include in the article. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to click on the individual workshops and register. And look, I think that conservatives should totally register. I think everyone should register. People in Pittsburgh, this is an opportunity to find out what students and uh, a major university is teaching people. Well, what are the chances of uh, me being able to, uh, like, ask a question or or possibly, um, I don't know, disagree with something that one of these geniuses says? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the specifics of how everything's going to operate. Yeah. Um, I mean, many times I've been in these such as sort of Zoom sessions where you're not necessarily on camera. You're just kind of an attendee um, watching, like observing. And uh-huh. they might have a an opportunity with like a Q&A where people get to open up. But again, I that's speculative. I don't know exactly you know, how these are going to operate. And so um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to... <laughs> Uh, you, you can do it as a. Uh, you'll get another piece out of it, won't you? I mean, you'll be able to write about what you what you you see at this thing. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Uh, I think this is an important thing to cover. I think it's important uh, in terms of Pennsylvania, and I'd like to see some Pennsylvania outlets pick this up. Um, there, there's definitely some new conservative outlets in PA that this is definitely a great thing to cover. But um, I, I, you know, I think that a school like Pitt that is just huge. I. Uh, you know, tens of thousands of students. I think it's important for people to be aware of what's going on. We're talking to Gabe Kaminsky. He's uh, an intern at the Federalist and a student at Pitt and uh, and uh, does not uh, come across as an intern in the stuff that he writes. You would never know that he was not a, an actual uh, certified journalist out there uh, doing a lot better stuff than a lot of the people who are supposed to be uh, already arrived as uh, journalists. But... Um, uh, as a student, Gabe, uh, what, I mean, are, how aware are students? You're obviously aware of this because you're, you know, you're working as an intern at the Federalist. You're writing pieces about it. But what about the average student? The school's not in session right now, at least unless the summer school is still in session. But uh, you know, the average student does he even know that this is going on. I would say the average student is a uh, pit. I would probably say is not necessarily aware of this, and nor. Um, we're on summer break right now. I don't know if people really care or if they're going to engage with it. Um, and I, you know, look, I think with Pitt, um, what you find is with a lot of these events, it's ran by a specific subset of the college. So this is ran by the office of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's a very small office at Pitt. Um, it's a very elite office and you're going to have, uh, actors, people who are very political, very far left who engage in this sort of thing. And people who uh, people who join this certainly in the community in Pittsburgh uh, certainly going to be the most you know the most radical people. I think students on summer break right now. I mean, I can't imagine. I would never join this if I wasn't joining it to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, now, um, uh, do you know how much any of these speakers are being paid? Just some of these people make good money of, doing this. 
They make a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. I was not able to figure that out. Um, again, you know, that was part of the public records where I was told by a lawyer named Danielle at the University of Pittsburgh um, that they're not providing that information uh, because there are two Supreme Court cases or Pennsylvania court cases, I believe, that affirm um, that that it does not have to comply with public records requests. And I mean, it's just kind of embarrassing. It's like you don't have to reply to the public records request. But um, when I reach out to your communications team, don't you think it's a little sketchy? You're not going to tell me how much people are being paid. <laughs> Yeah, do you do you uh, have to worry at all about any repercussions um, from professors or any anybody in the uh, Pitt community there uh, for writing stuff like this? Because this is very um, this is not something that is popular on a college campus these days to be opposed to even suggest that you might even be questioning any of this, much less opposed to it. Yeah, that's a good point, John. You know, I get, look, we'll see. Um, I've been a conservative on campus for several years now. Um, I have several friends on campus who are also on the right side of the aisle. And people deal with stuff, but um, I don't know if the average student is really aware of, like, these sort of material that we're putting out. But, look, it is what it is, right? You got to – if you're going to take on the left right now, you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and um... – when you enrolled at Pitt, did you think you were signing up for, for what they're going to be doing in this conference, this kind of thing, or did you expect this? Well, I think this is to be expected. I went into college in 2018, so not too different from today. I mean, things have certainly accelerated after the death of George Floyd um, and the riots. and Everything has gotten extremely more radical. But I would say that given my high school experience even, and a public school, a government school, I was not shocked to go into college and be bombarded with things. In fact, two years after I attended it, uh, my, after my first year, they started a uh, anti mandatory anti-racism course, CRT course, critical race theory course for freshman students. So that was actually, I guess, not in place when I came. And now all students have to learn about how they're all privileged and uh, inherently bad people. So you avoided that because you were enrolled before they came up with this. Everyone is going to be required to take this course? Yeah, so as of, uh, I believe, a year ago, um, this has been implemented uh, where every freshman has to take a course um, on black studies and um, you know, the, the same sort of uh, teaching that there is white supremacy. It, 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 is there any chance that there's uh, a required course on small government or... or um, uh, the the wonders of um, freedom and choice, and I mean, is it, it, I'm guessing there's not a, a companion course that might, I don't know, disagree with anything that's in the course you mentioned. No, of course not. I mean, you know the answer to that question. Right. Uh, you know, these schools, they, uh, they don't really, they, you know, they hide behind a shroud of ideological diversity, and they use diversity all the time, right? Their word on the college campus right now is diversity inclusivity. But when it comes to people on the right, conservative students, it's diversity so long as you're conservative. It, there's no inclusivity on the campus. It's just it's exclusivity. It's a vacuum of left-wing thought, and they're just not interested in uh, fostering people on the right. And they say they will, but then they don't actually have any classes that are antithetical to uh, stuff like black studies and anti-racism, you know. You can't yeah. take a class in Edmund Burke at Pitt, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, I'm out of time, Gabe, but um, you've made the best of your stay there. You've done a great job uh, working at the Federalist, but you also you have to be grateful that they've given you this much material to write about. I appreciate you coming on, though. Thanks as always, John. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A new poll suggests most Americans who have not yet been vaccinated against COVID-19 are not likely to get shots at all. Ben Thomas reports. The poll by the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research found 45% of the unvaccinated adults surveyed say they definitely will not get a shot. And 35% say they probably won't. Just 3% say they definitely will get the vaccine, and another 16% say they probably will. 
Those not likely to get a shot express doubts the vaccines will work against the aggressive Delta variant, despite evidence they do. Nationally, the CDC says 56.4% of all Americans, including children, have received at least one dose of a vaccine, and vaccinations are starting to increase in some lagging states where COVID-19 cases are rising. I'm Ben Thomas. This is SRN News. Call him Willy Wonka. He's a chocolate lab. His belly itched and he would actually lay in the grass and scoot across it to scratch. And Sheba, his sister, she scratched at her ears real bad and she shook her head so much. She wound up with cauliflower ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. When we uh, first got the Dynavite, they cleaned the bowls up real good. Her ears, they're a whole lot better. Wonka, his belly, it's all really cleaned up. He uh, flops over and lays on his back and just kicks his legs, and I call it his happy dance. They look good and even smell good in between baths. You should give your dogs Dynavite before something happens. And that's kind of like preventative maintenance. Dynavite for life. It makes them healthier and happier. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. And your dogs will love it just like mine do. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E You depend on our incomparable lineup of talk hosts each day. Now you have the chance to meet one of them face-to-face, announcing the Terrific Talkers VIP Experience. We'll fly you and a guest on a three-night stay to meet your favorite radio host. Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, Hugh Hewitt, Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager. Meet your favorite host from The Answer. Enter the Terrific Talkers VIP experience at theanswerpgh.com slash talker. There is an answer to the mess we are in today in this country. There's a reason so many young people are being led astray. We have to fight back and protect the country we know and love there's one who knows the way out of this mess charlie kirk has the answer he's relentless he will not stop till he reaches every person who will hear listen to him every day everywhere you find podcasts the charlie kirk show now on a podcast near you it's finally time to replace that old leaky roof or how about some new siding you can count on windows or us the area's premier exterior replacement company this is john steigerwald with over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 831-21. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We've got those delays on the Parkway West outbound. Jammed up from 19 up to pass Green Tree. It's an accident off to the shoulder attracting attention. Outbound Parkway East. Also at least a 10 or 11 minute delay. Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And just as backed up inbound into the tunnel. On 28 outbound delays from Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. And the off-ramp to the bridge remains shut down for construction. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 61. Tomorrow, a beautiful start to the weekend. Times of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 85. Tomorrow night will be mostly cloudy and humid with a low of 69. We'll wrap up the weekend Sunday with intervals of clouds and sunshine. We'll see a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. It will be humid with a high of 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's been a lot of talk about monopolies uh, lately, most of it involving, as I'm sure you've noticed, big tech, uh, Facebook, Twitter, 
YouTube, Amazon, those guys. And I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of support for breaking them up uh, among conservatives and liberals, maybe more so among conservatives. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Joe Biden uh, promised us that uh, 40 years said said that uh, 40 years ago we chose the wrong path, following the misguided philosophy of people like Robert Bork. That would be the former uh, and late uh, Judge Robert Bork and Judge Robert Bork's son, Robert Bork Jr. wrote a column in the Wall Street Journal in response to that. And uh, he's about to join us now, I think. We just, we just spoke to him, and now we, we don't have him. Um, but anyway, this is, uh, this is about monopolies, and I've I always had questions about it, and I admit to being completely ignorant on the subject. Uh, it's just the thing that, when it came to monopolies, that bothered me before the Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter fiasco was with sports, having covered sports for uh, most of my life. I've always wondered how the NBA, or not the NBA, well, them too, but the NFL and Major League Baseball, uh, all the major sports leagues get away with being a monopoly. Uh, and I've never really gotten a good answer. So maybe uh, maybe uh, Judge Robert Bork's son will be able to do that for us. We are uh, having a little bit of a <clears throat> tough time with the, um, with the phone line right now. But uh, I'll tell you, um, this... The, this uh, a take from Robert Bork's son is that uh, and I, I'm guessing, and this is what I want to talk to him about, that it's not not a big deal, um, and it's it shouldn't. It's I guess the alternative to it is um, is uh, government total government control. But Judge Robert Bork's son, Robert Bork Jr., is with us now. As I said, he wrote a column in the Wall Street Journal in response to what Joe Biden did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Robert, uh, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for waiting for me. I couldn't get the phone to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It happens. Um, so you've updated your father's book that your the, the one he wrote uh, on this subject back in 1978 was called "The Antitrust Paradox: A Policy at War with Itself." What did President Biden get wrong in his speech? Let's start with that. Oh, where to, where to begin? Yeah, um, I'll just focus on three things. First of all, he called. He said that. Uh, uh, 40 years ago, we chose the wrong path, following the misguided philosophy of people like Robert Bork, uh, and pulled back on enforcing laws to promote competition. Okay, well, we didn't really pull back. What we did was we changed a system that wasn't working. The antitrust laws in this country, dating back to the late 19th century and enforced against the trusts in the early 20th century, really were a jumble, a hot mess of conflicting personal opinions of justices and enforcers, all built around the idea that big is bad and the competitors need to be protected from each other, particularly the inefficient competitors who would be you know, suing and complaining that they were somehow being abused by the bigger companies, Somewhat, sometimes not very much bigger. And so what you got was uh, prices going up, uh, inefficient companies being protected, my father said that wasn't the meaning of antitrust law at all. The purpose of antitrust law was to protect the consumers. Consumers first, competitors second. Uh, and that, uh, you know, so he came up with this notion which became described as the consumer welfare standard. The book comes out in 78, 1979. The Supreme Court sees part of the book cited in the case before it and says, that makes sense. And they adopted the consumer welfare standard and it has been the North Star of antitrust enforcement for the last 43 years. Now, having said that, so it wasn't an experiment. It was, you know, the, the justices of the Supreme Court said that's the better way to go. Uh, and, and, and then uh, the president said that uh, there was uh, a result of the antitrust paradox and the consumer welfare standard. Uh, the, uh, the economy suffered. There was less growth. Well, in fact, there was, the economy tripled in size between 1980 and 2020. He said that uh, there was weakened investment, but in fact, uh, there was almost a 10% inflation-adjusted annual rate of return uh, in between 1980 and, 19, and, and 2020. And he said small business, uh, there were fewer small businesses when in fact, and these are all government numbers, so I'm not making this stuff up, it, the uh, small businesses increased in the United States 54% 
during that uh, that forty year period, eighty to twenty twenty. So uh, either he was, well, I don't want to say what he was, but he was someone gave him some <laughs> bad information. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, he is the president of the United States, and um, he's supposed to be an intelligent guy. I mean, there's some question about whether his, he's all there, but. Uh, how could somebody be so wrong about it? What's he basing it on? Uh, well, it's politics, isn't it? I mean, it all boils down to politics in Washington. And, uh, you know, you got to remember, I mean, it was back when my father was nominated to the Supreme Court, they used to say insane things about him. One of, and they used to say that he was out of the mainstream. Well, when it comes to antitrust, my father invented the mainstream. <laughs> you know, the, so... He's not out of the mainstream now. They are. They are, they are, they, they are socialists with fringe views about how things will work, and they're going to try to power this gigantic power grab to uh, use the antitrust laws, weaponize the antitrust laws to punish business and to fossilize uh, American capitalism. So uh, what did your father mean when he wrote that antitrust policy, as it says in the title, is at war with itself? Exactly this paradox he was referring to, yeah, right. which was, uh, right, so uh, that was, uh, the paradox of antitrust enforcement was that legal intervention artificially raised prices by protecting inefficient enterprises from competition. So he was supposed to do the other thing, the exact opposite of that, but in fact it was doing, it was, it was doing precisely what it wasn't supposed to be doing. And that's why when you, when you apply this, neutral principle of the consumer coming first, maximizing consumer welfare, you get a, a much more, you get a better result in antitrust enforcement. You get growth, you get new jobs, you get innovation, uh, more small businesses, not fewer, uh, more return on investment. So I'm not saying that all of this, you know, boils down to the consumer welfare standard, but it certainly was an important part of that, this past 43-year period uh, in, in uh, guaranteeing, uh, you know, better results by not intervening when you shouldn't. You know, the idea that really it should be that the DOJ and the FTC should sit back and examine these deals, absolutely. Um, but if they can't find harm to consumers, then they shouldn't mess around with it. Uh, and they should let the marketplace work. Well, it, it seems that, that this subject is very much more in the news now than it has been maybe ever, uh, because I don't know how much the average person walks around worrying about antitrust unless it you know directly affects his business somehow. Uh, but uh, how much of this is what's happening now is just uh, as a result of what's going on with Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube and Amazon? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's, there are two things going on. One, one, on one hand, you've got a progressive uh, left uh, element in Washington that's in charge that wants to uh, regulate even more uh, you know, American companies, business in this country, and, have, and they don't like being challenged by other concentrations of power, whether they're business or otherwise. Uh, and then you've got conservatives who are white-hot mad and I don't blame them for the censorship that's being applied to their, their texts, their posts, whatever, uh, you know, their, their conservative thoughts that they're trying to put forward. I've had, I've had the same experience when I wrote that piece in the journal that you mentioned, friends of mine tried to put it on Facebook, post it on Facebook and it got uh, blocked briefly. I don't know why I, I put it up. I didn't, it wasn't blocked when I put it up, but, uh, people told me they were getting uh, getting messages back saying uh, this is under review, probably because they didn't like my father's beard in the picture. I don't know, right? But um, you know, who knows? But uh, but they're upset about it. But antitrust is not the solution to that problem. That problem is better addressed by other laws like Section Two Thirty, uh, which mm -hmm. you've probably heard about. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's let's tweak that. Let's fix that. You know, and there there are people who have good ideas about how to do that without taking the sledgehammer of antitrust to these companies. Now you wrote, uh, uh, you've written a, an update to your, your father's book. Um, and um, how do you think he would, and maybe you address this in the book, um, how would he feel about uh, big tech 
and everything that's going on with it right now, and, and what's being said about it, and some in some cases what's trying uh, what people are trying to do about it. Them. Well, two things there. First of all, let's let's not let's be very clear. My father would say enforce the antitrust laws and enforce them through the lens of the consumer welfare standard. That's perfectly fine. But changing the laws, changing the statutes so that you can um, do whatever you want to these companies, so that you can uh, impose your own personal views, uh, you know, it, then, then it'll become sort of a Ouija board for American business, trying to figure out what's going to happen. What can they do? What can they not do? You know, there, there are all these limits that, that, that the Democrats and some Republicans want to put on them. Um, in terms of like not being able to merge if you're too big, you know, over a hundred billion dollars. So that, that's like 80 companies right there that you know, household names that couldn't buy anything or acquire anything. Um, so I would think he would say exactly what I said, enforce the law, use the consumer welfare standard, do not break, do not, uh, you know, erase the consumer welfare standard because you want to have more freedom, as, you know, as a, as a Democrat, head of the FTC to do whatever you want. And by the way, what's going on at the FTC should make people very nervous. I don't know how much time we have, but I'll just say, you know, Lena Khan, this celebrity uh, antitrust enforcer who really three years ago was in law school, um, is, um, you know, she, she has uh, torn up the rules about the consumer welfare, welfare standard at the FTC, a policy memo that they wrote years ago um she has placed the uh, taken the chief administrative law judge essentially out of his job they 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 they've pulled his authority to themselves so they can do whatever they want at the commission and they are gagged all the uh, employees of the FTC from speaking publicly going to conferences or anything like that really in an effort i think to uh, force people to quit so that they can bring in more loyalists it really is truly, you know, this sounds like a horribly conservative Republican thing to say, a power grab, but it is a power grab. And now we have this new head of the, the, the uh, antitrust division at DOJ, uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to start bringing cases. They're going to start trying to block mergers and acquisitions, and they're going to start going after these companies and enforcing all sorts of woke standards and policies and labor and stuff, uh, you know, beyond what is reasonable so robert is this is this a case though of uh this being an opportune time to be doing this because there are so many people questioning uh what appears to be a monopoly uh, uh, uh in dispensing of uh information with uh, facebook twitter um uh, distributing information i should say uh is that is that a uh it, it, can you separate the two I mean, is, is... Uh, I, I really think we have to. I mean, the I understand why conservatives are mad, but they're walking into a trap laid for them by the Democrats. Uh, you know, it's a Trojan horse because uh, they're not going to stop at big tech. They've made it very clear. I mean, you know, it's in writing. They're going to go after agriculture. They're going to go after pharmaceuticals. They're going to go after health care. They're going to go after retail. They're going to look at any big business and frankly some smaller ones too and uh and start looking at ways to apply antitrust laws to them uh because they won't have any they won't have this standard this neutral standard anymore they, they when they when they end up erasing it have, then they'll go to the courts have the I'm republicans sorry, been 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 um been um unduly influenced by their hatred for waste facebook and twitter and youtube that they are blinded by it and they're not paying enough attention to what's happening? I, I think a lot of them are. I think this is the conservative equivalent of Trump derangement syndrome on the left. Okay. You know, this is this is the conservative equivalent. So they you know they have Facebook derangement syndrome or or Twitter derangement syndrome. Yeah. They just can't look past their contempt for these these companies. And I understand that because I, I really I, I don't understand why these companies are doing that stuff because they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, but, you know, they obviously don't have any control over their, uh, or, or desire to control their uh, their uh, uh, content moderation. But it'll get controlled for them. And what will probably happen, which is terrible, is then the federal government will be somehow in charge of content moderation. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. No. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah. And, and by the way, before I forget, my father was born in Pittsburgh. He's a, you know, he was a lifelong uh, fan of the Steelers, and yeah. uh, he went to Pitt briefly. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I just wanted to drop that in there. Yeah, well, I was going to get to uh, get to the NFL in a second, speaking of monopolies, but uh, if I have a chance, I want to ask you about that. But, but um, uh, so they... they, they the um the democrats are using this um frenzy over facebook and twitter and youtube and amazon as a way to sneak this through would it be unfair to say that yes it's it's hardly sneaking but yeah. it uh it certainly they are they are taking advantage of their uh republican brethren uh who uh, are just furious and they and they're, and they're trying to get him to join in. But, you know, there are people like Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, yep. uh, not, who's not screaming and yelling about, uh, is, is really, uh, is not, doesn't seem to be motivated by this censorship issue. He just seems to be motivated by a belief that we should rewrite the antitrust laws, the statutes, um, and, really, and really put a yoke around the, you know, the necks of a lot of, a lot of companies and make them, uh, you know, submit to what the government wants to do. He, you know, he thinks, in the name of competition, that you should uh, limit so many activities that the companies can do, which have, in fact, I think, uh, you know, created jobs, uh, generated growth, taxable income. You know, you know what's going to happen if you break up these companies? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg will be a hell of a lot richer <laughs> if you break up Facebook. He'll still be the owner uh, of the majority of the stock in you know the three other companies that you make up. Yeah, uh, John D. Rockefeller once said about Standard Oil when they when they broke that up. Uh, you know, I wish I thought of this sooner. <laughs> he made a lot more money. Well, what is the solution so, though? Uh, and we're talking to Robert Bork Jr. He's updated his dad's uh, book, uh, Judge Robert Bork's uh, book that he wrote in 1978. I only have a minute left here, uh, Robert. So what what is the is it is two thirty the only way to go for people who want to uh, break up if for lack of that's a better a place, term that's the place to start that's the place no 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 you don't break up companies eh. over that over that issue you don't apply antitrust law yeah they, those are two separate things they should be kept separate you, but you can work to find a way to offer some protections to the platforms so that you know because when people write really horrible stuff on those platforms. You got You can't always make the platforms responsible for it. Um, they, have to, they have to find better ways to moderate content. We have to have more transparency about what, when they do moderate content, and we have to have recourse if they do something wrong. Uh, I think there are a lot of good ideas out there. Uh, uh, I know there's a Republican and a Democrat senator who come up with something called the PACT Act, which is a platform... Um, Platform Accountability and Consumer Transparency Act. It's very complicated, but in the end, ideas like that will create the solutions to the censorship problem, and we can focus on on antitrust on its own terms, on its own grounds. Hey, Robert, I'm out of time. I appreciate you being on. The book is called, uh, and written in 1978, The Antitrust Paradox, A Policy at War with Itself, written, written by Judge Robert Bork. And uh, Robert Bork, who's here right now, has uh, updated it, and you can check it out on Amazon. Thank you very much, Robert. Appreciate it. Hey, it's been great fun. Okay, we'll be right back. This is John Stockerwald. You know, I used to think that all towels are pretty much the same, but I found out with my pillow towels that's not the case. Towels just don't seem to dry anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the stores, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at my pillow found out that around 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA, and they have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton. They come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. You can get a six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, soft and absorbent, regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 for these great radio specials. 
Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you to new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I didn't get a chance to ask uh, Robert Bork Jr. about the uh, what I thought was I've always thought was a monopoly that the uh, the NFL, Major League well, Major League Baseball actually has a monopoly that's uh, and no, there's no question about it. They they've been allowed to have a monopoly for well, I don't know, hundred years, eighty years, whatever it is. Um, so I, maybe uh, I'll ask him, or I got to ask somebody else about it later on. I still have never gotten a good answer. And if you're talking about consumer welfare. How are consumers in places like San Antonio, Texas, and Portland, Oregon, and cities that are big enough to have pro football teams? How are they uh, not? How 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 does how is that uh, that their welfare is being uh, accommodated when they are not allowed to have a pro football team in their town? Not allowed. They're allowed, but they're, it's not possible for anybody to do it uh, to go up against the NFL. Anyway, uh, that's it for another week. Uh, I guess it is Friday, isn't it? We are done. And uh, you can start cheering next year (laughs) for the Cleveland Guardians. What a nauseating name. You know what's worse than the name? The logo. It's even worse. It's it's unbelievable. It's just so typical of Cleveland. Anyway... That's uh, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks to uh, Mike and Darren, and I'll talk to Yins on Monday. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.